Hello and welcome to Quick Link Podcast on Tuesday the 22nd of June. Coming up on today's show, we've got the final five Tour de France lineups confirmed. Stage racing begins again with the Lotto Ladies Tour in Belgium. And Jez Cox returns after last week's lesson for the Class of 21 with Part T of his Tactics Guide. With all 23 teams now confirming their lineups, Velo Games has launched their competition for a hypothetical bicycle-powered event that potentially occurs in a country that shares mainland borders with Belgium, Luxembourg, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, Monaco, Andorra and Spain, which takes place each summer, where 184 men fight for a mustard-coloured jumper. I think that's covered it legally, right, George? Anyway, Velo Games, Tour de France, it's open now. Pick your nine riders, spend 100 credits, join our show league and humiliate us or yourselves in front of all your peers. If you've joined our show mini league for any of the Velo Games races so far this year, you'll automatically be entered as soon as you make a team. If not, our code is 57273217. That's also going to be in the outro and I'll put in the show notes, just in case your rewind button doesn't work or you don't have a pen to hand. We've also got our own Twitter-based predictions game coming up, but we'll talk about that on Thursday, so make sure you're following us at QuickLinkPod. Give at VeloGames a follow too, and also our friend Patrick. He's at Paddy underscore Blake with an extra E on the end. He's full of team tips. He's the one that we all not so secretly try to beat. You'll know him better as Owl Do Cycling. To the day's racing action then. Do you remember racing? It's a thing that's happened in the distant past before the dark day of Monday the 21st of June where nothing took place. Well, racing is back. The ninth edition of the Lotto Belgium Tour with five women's world tour teams present as well as four national squads and some of the bigger continental teams. As it has since 2016, the four-day race starts with a prologue and this year the host town was Shime in the province of Eno. 4.4 kilometres long, using some of the historic Grand Prix de Frontier motor racing street circuit. Just 31 metres of elevation, climbing slowly to the furthest point away before coming back to the start-finish straight. Movistar, Trek Segafredo, Canyon Sram, Bike Exchange and DSM here, as are Park Hotel, Valkenburg, Dolcini van Eyck, Lotte Sudel and Planta Pura, effectively the Alps and Fenix ladies team. Seven British riders on the start list, and hopefully we'll have reason to talk about them all over the next four days. 2019's third place overall, Audrey Cordon Ruggo, lining up for Trek Segafredo as today's hot favourite, five days after winning her fifth French national time trial title in seven years. Also on her team, Ellen van Dijk, the only previous winner of the race present today. She won the first two editions in 2012 and 2013. A very wet day today in southern Belgium. Efforts in the six-minute mark were expected, many of the riders having wrecked the course in the dry before the heavens opened. Ellen van Dijk came home with an early pace setting time of 5 minutes 33, and that was that job done as the race got wetter. Her Trek Segafredo teammate Audrey Cordon Rago was way off the pace 25 seconds slower later in the day, but it was a third Trek rider, Eleanor Backstead, who stood out the most. Twice a bronze medalist in the time trial at Junior World Championships, she came home second today, just two seconds behind her teammate Van Dijk. Julienne de Hoor from SD Works, but racing for the Belgian national squad this week, she beat her countrywoman and teammate Lotte Kopecky, who usually races with Live Racing, to the podium by a second, coming home four seconds down on Van Dyke's time. British champion Alice Barnes was fifth for Canyon Sram, ahead of fellow Brit Pfeiffer Georgie of Team DSM. 
Tomorrow, the racing begins in earnest from Blankenberg on the North Sea coast and heading 10 kilometers southeast to the outskirts of Bruges. Before the flag drops, the race is denutralized and they start four local laps around Dudzele and Dama with cobbled sections at Kirkstrat and Darmstadt Steenweg each lap for a total of 102.2 kilometers of racing. It's flat all the way with sprint points available at the end of the second and fourth and final laps. Now that's enough from me for a while, let's hand over to Jez Cox. Hello, it's the longest day here and British summertime in June. And that's why you can probably once again hear the rain lashing down on my conservatory roof as I record this, as it has been in far, far too many of these recordings. Anyway, you may or may not be pleased to hear that this week I am back to being me again. I did enjoy the feedback, by the way, from last week's sunscreen instalment. If you've not heard it yet, do listen back, not least because it took me flipping ages to do it. So, seven weeks in, seven weeks to go, I should say, <laughs> in our A to Z of racing tactics, and that takes us to T, T for telegraphing. Now, in cycling parlance, to telegraph is to deliberately send signals to a specific rider or all riders displaying your intention to do something in the race. The most important questions before we even start is why are you trying to signal something? And then how wide or how narrow is your intended audience? There are some wonderful examples of telegraphing down through the ages, but I think the example that gave rise to this term's mainstream use is probably came through the sage and unmatched commentary of Phil Liggett and the late great Paul Sherwin. They noted with growing regularity the behaviour of another great who is also no longer with us, sadly, that of Marco Pantani. Il Pirata, as he preferred to be known, would remove his trademark bandana and throw it away just before attacking his rivals in the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia. This telegraph was without doubt a mind game that effectively stated there was no need for Pantani to hide what he was about to do because no one would be able to go with him anyway. Which wasn't always the case, of course, but the very telegraphing of that message was presumably enough to demoralise those who were at least already in trouble. Another wonderful and far more recent example is the race-winning attack by Annemiek van Vluten in the Yorkshire World Road Race Championships in 2019. It had been a cagey affair up to the point of the biggest climb of the day, Lofthouse, which came with 106 kilometres still to go. Van Vleuten started the, the base of the climb just inside the top 10, and then she started her telegraphing. First, she openly removed her bottle and discarded it. I know, I know, it's like smoking in pubs, but it was a different pre-April Fool's Day era back then, okay? Unthinkable, right? Anyway, the bottle was the start of a series of signifiers being thrown out that she was about to force a selection, or so she thought. Next came the purposeful move up through the leading riders, whilst others maintained position, and then the final signal, once she reached the front, was the audible clunk up into a bigger gear, then the rise out the saddle, and she was gone. It later transpired that she'd been hoping to take with her three or four of the strongest riders in that race, but that didn't happen. And as we know, she rode the final 60 miles of the race alone, into a rapturous finish in Harrogate. Harrogate. I was working there for 10 days on the mic and could never quite decide which one it should be. Tweet me your thoughts at Jez Cox and I'll still be confused. 
Anyway, despite all the telegraphing, Van Vleuten didn't need any companions after all. So many of the preceding tactics in this series have been about trying to conceal what you intend to do, but this is all about ensuring your target audience are aware, they get the message. So who is or who are that target audience? Now they may of course be your own teammates or a rider you've already arranged to try and break away with. That kind of telegraphing needs to be subtle and may actually just take the shape of a tap on the hip as you move up past them. Other telegraphing may be all about trying to draw away the riders around you near the front of the race in order to get the right combination in a breakaway. If you're happy to take anyone and any number with you, then here's what I would suggest as the full fat, no doubt about it, this is what I'm doing telegraph. In order, if you please. Roll up on the outside of the bunch while you dispose of bottles, within the rules obviously. Then zip up your jersey. Pull up the sock on the same riders that side as the riders you're passing. Exhale deeply a couple of times. Go for the drops in an aggressive manner. Clunk up a gear and then look across to see who spotted you. And then as you're in that bigger gear, roll off hard but not too fast so as to draw out a nice blob of riders with you. Of course, the above may simply mean that you've drawn away with you a load of riders that didn't want to be away with you anyway. And if that's the case, remember, that they now also have you down as someone they don't need to watch because you make such obvious attacks. At which point, of course, you switch to stealth mode and for a second attack, perhaps by laying back, jumping past them on the other side, so as to then whittle down the breakaway again and perhaps now with just those who really want to work. That's in an ideal world, of course. Now, all of your wonderful acting and all the liberal sprinkling of signs and signifiers about the place need not necessarily be about setting things up for yourself. If you're working to help a teammate get away, you could easily arrange in advance that you'll do a telegraphed attack, um, which when caught, they will then counter-attack with speed and stealth in the opposite way to your wonderful bit of acting. If you've made your telegraphing as enticing and obvious as you should, and timed it right, then you may well have drawn out a good number of those that would, would have chased your teammate down anyway. So just before your group is caught, mainly because you're not working, your teammate jumps and rushes the outside of the breakaway so they have no chance of latching on. Then a potentially more lucrative selection can be made. Now, as with all these tactics, look out for it as you watch the pros, and if you're fit enough and all ready, then why not try it, either on a race or at the local chain gang or cafe ride. Just remember though, like many of these tactics, they serve to seriously cheese off other riders. So in the club room or car park afterwards, it was not me that suggested you do it, okay? Next week, it's you. Yeah, you. As ever, that was the wonderful Jez Cox, and you can find him on Twitter at Jez Cox and online at jezcox.com. Five teams announced their Tour de France lineups today, so with the help of two others, we'll rattle through them. We'll start with Cofidis. Cofidis Solutions Credits, to give them their full name, they teased six of their eight riders last week and got to me all in a huff because they just stopped after six. But Cofidis have finally revealed their lineup for La Grande Boucle. 32 previous starts between them with just the one stage win. Guillaume Martin leads the way. It's the fifth tour for the 2020 Vuelta Mountains jersey winner. He has two third-place stage finishes at the Tour under his belt, one last year and one back in 2017. Anthony Perez, fourth trip to the Tour for the All-Rounder, though he is yet to trouble a Grand Tour top 10. Yellow Willets, Tour debut for him, but he does have four Vuelta finishes and indeed a stage win on stage 18 at the Vuelta in 2018. 
Christophe Laporte, it's his seventh time at the Tour, the only Grand Tour he's ever raced. Two wins so far this year, but his best previous finish at the Tour is second, sprinting into Powell in 2018, a stage won by Arnold de Mar. Pierre-Luc Perrichon, it's his sixth time at the Tour de France. For the lead-out man, he has taken a couple of top tens himself in the past. Simon Geschke, his 16th Grand Tour and ninth time heading to France, he won stage 17 in 2015. Jesus Harada, it's his 10th Grand Tour and 7th time heading to the Tour de France for this year's Spanish National Championships runner-up. He was second up Mont Ayogal last year on stage 6 behind Alexi Lutsenko, but he does have a stage win at the Vuelta to his name. And Ruben Fernandez, it's his first time at the Tour de France, but he has competed twice at the Giro and twice at the Vuelta. He has yet to take a professional win, but he did win the prestigious Tour de l'Avenir under-23 race in 2013. And now let's hand over to Inigo for Team DSM. Team DSM are taking his team stacked with experience of this year's Tour de France with a combined 19 Grand Tours and 12 Tour starts between them. Soren Craig Anderson will be starting his fourth Tour de France and leading the line following his two stage wins at last year's edition of the race. Thijs Benoot has been selected for his fifth Tour de France, his best result a second place on stage 9 of the 2019 Tour, although he is more well known for his Strada Bianchi win back in 2018 when he was with Lotto Soudal. Case Bowl, the DSN sprinter, is doing his third Tour de France and will be looking for a win after his second and third placings at last year's race. Mark Donovan is making his Tour debut, having done the well to last year, collecting two top five placings along the way. And Niels Ekhoff is making his Grand Tour debut at this year's Tour. The Dutchman is already a known name in cycling after being disqualified from the Harrogate Under-23 World for drafting back in 2019. Joran Jovenhaus did the tour last year, but is more well known for his exploits in cyclocross against the likes of Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert. Casper Pedersen will start his second Tour de France after last year, where his best result was fifth on stage 14. His best win coming in Paris Tour last year also. Njesha Suslin is starting his fifth Grand Tour, but only his second Tour de France, two Giro d'Italia and one Vuelta Espana. The German is a consistent time trialist and domestique for Movistar in the years gone by. Thanks, Inigo. You can find him on Twitter at LeWaffler, and he'll be popping up with our official Tour de France preview show later in the week. And then to the big one, I suppose, UAE Team Emirates. I drew the short straw on this one. They have 20 Tour de France starts between the eight-man team, 10 stage wins, but most importantly, the defending champion. Tadej Pogacar, it's only his third Grand Tour. He started off by finishing third at the 2019 Vuelta, and then on his Tour de France debut in September last year, he was celebrating in Paris the day before his 22nd birthday, having won three stages and snatched the yellow jersey on the penultimate day, with his time trial win going up Planche de Belfie with a swing of almost two minutes over Primoz Roglic, taking home the yellow, polka dot and white jerseys as the Tour de France champion, mountains winner and best young rider. Bogacha has eight races under his belt so far this year, starting the season by winning the UAE Tour, then taking seventh at Strada Bianchi, before heading to Tirreno Adriatico and winning that as well. He had to settle for a stage win and third overall at Izulia. The team were then prevented by Covid restrictions in Belgium from starting Flash Wallonne, but four days later they took to Liège-Bastogne-Liège and Pogacar had his first monument win at the fourth attempt. He chose his native Tour of Slovenia as his pre-tour leg stretcher stage race, naturally winning that, and then was third in the time trial and fifth in the road race this past week at the Slovenian National Championships, a race that evades him, but by far that's not his biggest goal this summer. Joining Pogacar are Rafael Majka, 
His is 18th Grand Tour and sixth time at the Tour de France. Twice the Mountains Jersey winner and winner of three stages, two in 2014 and one the following year. Ruby Costa, the 2013 world champion and three-time stage winner. Mark Hershey, he burst onto the scene last year at the Tour with Team Sunweb, wearing the white jersey for four days and winning stage 12 into Saran solo by almost a minute. Then he took bronze at Worlds in Imola, won Flesh Wallone, finished second at Liège-Bastogne-Liège, and then left in acrimonious circumstances to join UAE. And well, other than popping up to take third on a stage of the Tour de Romandy in his native Switzerland last week, seemingly ran out of gas. Or ran out of something, anyway. Second at the Swiss TT Nationals and then eighth in the road race might indicate a slow return to form for him, though, and he'll probably be given free reign to just go and win something. Vigard Stake Langen, it's the fourth time at the Tour for the Norwegian, he'll be a vital part of Pogacar's Mountains team. His only pro win to date was the 2018 Norwegian Road Race Championships. Mikael Björk, one of two Tour debutants with the team, though he did race the Giro last year, taking third on the opening day time trial, and then finished third on stage nine, which finished up the Cat 1 climb into Rocarasso. Brandon McNulty is the other Tour debutant with UAE Team Emirates, though he too also has Giro experience from last year. His best result was second on stage 10, which was won by Peter Sagan, but he did also take third on the middle weekend time trial and finished sixth overall in the youth classification. And last but by no means least, David Formolo. It's the 12th Grand Tour for the Italian climber, but only his second time at the Tour de France. He was the 2019 Italian road champion, and he has stage wins of the Giro, the Dauphiné, and the Volta Catalunya to his name. And now we hand over to Katie, who's got the Trek Segafredo team. Trek Segafredo bring a team that will hope to battle it out across the board, hunting for stage wins as well as having designs on general classification. Dual leadership is shared between veterans Vincenzo Nibali and Bauke Mollema, both riding in their second Grand Tour of the season, following their appearance in support of leader Giulio Ciccone at the Giro d'Italia. Nibali is one of four former winners who line up at the Tour this year. He starts his ninth Tour de France and his 25th Grand Tour overall. His most recent success at the Tour was a stage win in 2019, following his overall win in 2014. Bauke Mollema rides in his 11th Tour, his most successful their year being 2017 when he won a stage. His best result this season was a win at Trofeo La Gueglia and he came second on GC at the Tour des Alpes Maritimes at Eduvar and fifth at Monte Zongolan at the Giro. Backing up their leaders are two pure climbers, Kenny Elisond and Julian Bernard. Bernard makes his third Tour appearance. He came second in the mountains classification in Paris-Nice earlier this season and will likely be chasing mountains points. Kenny Ellison comes to his second tour, following a fifth place in the Paris-Nice Mountains classification. His career best result is a stage win in the 2013 Vuelta a España. Latvian Tom Skoind comes fresh from wins in both the Latvian national time trial and road race over the weekend, and he will be brimming with confidence, having also shown well in his most recent stage race, taking fifth place on GC in the Ruta del Sol. He'll likely be seeking breakaway chances in what will be his fourth tour appearance. Edward Turns is on good form, having just missed out on the Belgian National Championship's road race victory to Wout van Aert at the weekend. It's Turns' fourth appearance at the Tour. Dane Mads Pedersen will lend some power on the flatter stages. The Dane has had an inconsistent season, finishing just 38th in the Danish Championships and pulling out of the Dauphiné following a crash. However, he did have some strong early season results, winning Kerner Brussels Kerner and taking second at the Bredin Coxsider Classic. Finally, Milan San Remo winner Jasper Stuyven brings his considerable all-round ability to the Trek lineup, making his fifth tour appearance. 
Stoven will have his eye on the punchy stages and will hope to take a stage win or two for the team. Thanks, Katie. You can find her on Twitter at RightBikeRepeat. Of course, as ever, last team to announce were EF Education Nippo. Between their eight-man team, 17 tour starts between them and two stage winners. One of those is Rigoberto Oran, set to race his 20th Grand Tour and the eighth time at the Tour de France. He was second overall in 2017, where he won stage nine into Chambéry, and he also took two second-place stage finishes. Oran's 14 professional wins also include two stages at the Giro, the Colombia time trial title in 2015, and the time trial win from this year's Tour de Suisse, where he finished second overall. And he will be joined by Sergio Higuita, second time at the Tour for last year's Colombian national champion and Tour of Colombia winner. He has a Vuelta stage win to his name from 2019. Magnus Court, third time at the Tour for the Dane, who won in Carcassonne in 2018, the other stage winner in this EF squad. He also has three Vuelta stage wins on his Palmares, alongside two wins at Paris-Nice. Stefan Bissiger makes his Grand Tour debut. The 22-year-old TT specialist has three pro wins to his name, including the time trial at Paris-Nice this year, and also a stage at the Tour de Suisse a fortnight ago. Ruben Guerrero is the first time at the Tour for the 2020 Giro Mountains jersey winner. The 2017 Portuguese road race champion's other pro win was stage 9 of last year's Giro. Nielsen Paulus, it's a second trip to the Tour for the American who managed a fourth last year up Mount Ayogal on stage 6. The 24-year-old is yet to take a professional win, but he comes fresh off the back of second-placed young rider at Tour de Suisse. Michael Valgren, 7th Tour start for the 2018 Amstel Gold Race and Omloop Het Newsblad double winner. Yet to stand on a Grand Tour podium, the closest he's come is 4th on stage 15 in 2018. Magnus Court was the winner that day. Both he and Valgren were then racing for Astana. And the last and 184th rider that we've named in our Tour lineup announcements, Jonas Rutsch, Grand Tour debut for the 23-year-old German who won the under-23 Gent Wevelgem in 2019. He's yet to take a pro win, but is clearly one for the future, having finished 6th in the time trial and then 8th at the road race in last week's German National Championships. There we go. That is all 23 teams announced over the last few days or so. Looking ahead to tomorrow, two races begin, as well as, of course, the first stage of the Lotto Ladies Tour of Belgium. In Poland, five stages over four days gets underway at the Solidarnorsk Champions Olympic stage race. Stanislaw Aniakowski was last year's winner. Leo Hayter is on the provisional start list for DSM's development team, but as far as I know, he's currently still in London, so that might not happen. Either way, we'll bring you the top three each day. And in Portugal, Volta Ayo Alentejo, it begins its six-day tour across the southern region of the country. Jao Rodriguez of W52 FC Porto was the most recent winner back in 2019, COVID obviously taking its toll last year. W52, Kaya Rural, Euskadi, Burgos and Kern Farmer are the biggest teams at the race. Again, we'll bring you the top three each day. Until tomorrow then, ride safe and take care. Thanks for listening to QuickLink Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news, results, opinion and chat. We'll be back tomorrow with another show, but in the meantime, you can hear all of our previous episodes at quicklinkpod.co.uk and find us across social media at quicklinkpod. If fantasy cycling is your thing, our Velo Games show league code is 57273217. Like and subscribe, rate and review, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.